Sweet Christmas. You knew it was coming. Uh, it's been five decades since Luke Cage first appeared in Luke Cage, Hero for Hire Number 1, published in 1972. Created by writers Archie Goodwin and Roy Thomas, with artists George Tusca and John Romita Sr., Cage has been a well-known, although somewhat controversial, figure in mainstream comics before receiving an image overhaul back in the 1990s. On today's podcast, the three of us sit down and discuss Luke Cage's creation during the Black Power movement and the problematic stereotypes that came along with him, his eventual name change to Power Man, as well as his buddy cop dynamic with Iron Fist, which became a real favorite among comic readers. And we also debate his portrayal on the Netflix series by actor Mike Coulter and whether or not we think Luke will show up in the MCU proper at some point. I'm Swain Hunt. Today, Dwight Adrian and myself celebrate a man who's definitely a hero, but he also has to get this money. He's Luke Cage, and this year he turns 50. One of the things we always talk about is like, can you believe something? Like when we talk about reviewing movies on playback episodes, we always say, can you believe something is 20 years old or 30 years old or 40 years old or whatever? Mm-hmm. L- Luke Cage, based on how he was first presented versus how he is now, I can believe he's 50 years old. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Sweet Christmas. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, everyth- everything about his origins and kind of that, you know, his 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 birth from at the hands of, you know, all white creators, you know, it, you know, his during the black power movement and during the civil, you know, post civil rights movement. Exploitation. Yeah, all of that, you know, it makes total sense where he comes from. <laughs> and yet at the same time, when I was looking at images, I'm like, I still kind of fuck with that, that yellow shirt and those blue pants and the chain <laughs> and the bracelets and, and the, the and tiara, the metal, metal tiara. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yo. It's still iconic, dude. Yes, yo. It's still kind of my shit in a way, yo. But yeah, it's, it's iconic. And, and the thing is, is I didn't realize in doing my research for this, and Adrian, you probably already knew this stuff. Maybe Dwight, you did as well. But, you know, Luke Cage was, it was the brainchild of uh, Roy Thomas and Archie Goodwin in terms of like, hey, we should do something, you know, in the kind of black exploitation vibe because, it, you know, those movies were really popular at the time in the, in the early 70s. Mm-hmm. And then George Tusca drew the first issue, Luke Cage, Hero for Hire, number one. Mm. But it was actually... John Romita Jr. Oh, excuse me, John Romita Sr. who designed the character. Okay, right. And and Romita Sr.'s character design doesn't he? It's basically like a Fred Williamson vibe, right? Yeah, yeah. Especially with the big fro, with the tiara crushing in on the fro, <laughs> you know, making it mushroom. And of course, of course, because because you know, Fred. Hey, hey. People forget Fred Williamson was one of the biggest. Uh, him and Jim Brown. You know, were the biggest of the black exploitation stars. That's true. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I mean, they started in a couple of movies together, um, obviously. Mm-hmm. But you know, as far as the model, I could I could see that being based more on Fred Williamson just by the body type and the attitude that you mm-hmm. know um, that Fred Williamson was bringing. And, and <laughs> that Fred Williamson star in a movie called Boss Nigga. <laughs> Yes, he did. Yes, he did. So yes, he did. So you can see that making inroads to the character as well. Not not having you know Cage say that, but just the attitude of like we ain't taking no more guff. We're not taking no more shit. Here we are. Bam. You know, even though in a way they still had to 
neuter him in a certain sense. You couldn't give the unfiltered cage, you know what I mean? Uncaged, like, yeah. Yeah, you, you, <laughs> exactly. uncaged, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that they couldn't go all the way with it, you know, at that time. But I could see how as a, a kid, especially a black kid, you know, mm-hmm. um, growing up in that era, and you see this on the stands, how empowering it would be, you know? Mm. Even though it plays right into the stereotypes of not only the movies, but of some of the um, views of that time. He is a, a convicted felon. They experiment <laughs> right. on him in prison. Right. <laughs> right. So oh, it's like God. he... And, 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 and he wears a chain around his waist as if right. he's still chained up. You know what I'm saying? Right. right. And his, so and his name just, is and his name is Cage. Cage. Yes. <laughs> so it's like you're 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 playing with that balance there of it's empowering to see a powerful brother being represented in mainstream comics at that time. I get it. Even DC hadn't made it to that level yet. But on the other hand, you see like, damn, all the stereotypes are there, you know. But he transcended them. He started to later on. Yeah, and, and that's why that's why I think it's important they changed his name to Power Man because at that point it became less about the name and more about what he represented as far as what he was his direction. You know what I mean? Because uh, I can be honest, when I first saw him on the newsstands, bro, I was not attracted to him, and I was not my it was not my jam. Mm-mm. Yeah, and boy. My, 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 Go my ahead. first. My, my my first ethnic my first ethnic uh, interaction with, with superheroes that I appreciated and liked was the Falcon and Black Panther. Those those are my two like like way ins. And I, I like I like I didn't know his name at the time in DC, but I like what was his name uh, Rock Kurok or what was his name? The brother's name with the fro. Tyrock from uh, Ty Superheroes. I, I like, yeah, I like I like Tyrock's look. You know, because he was he was he was kind of like a little little. Uh, Little 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 funky discoy looking type of dude. You he, was, know what I mean? he was a little he was a little he was a little fanciful for me, yo. With that, yeah, with the go go shorts. The, uh-huh. Yeah, with the with the swimsuit and the and the, and the disco collar, yo. And he even had a chain. Didn't he have a chain around his neck yes. in the uh, over the cleavage he had a window? Chains going across. Yeah, cleavage <laughs> window. <laughs> I was like, damn, come on, Mike Grill, come on, Grill. Yeah, hey, yo. Man. Well, see, so, Mike so, did so, as so he was kinda, told, bro. <laughs> well, he did. He did. <laughs> and, and a lot of what you all are touching on is, is kind of the, the stereotypes and kind of the, the problematic elements of, you know, like, again, the era from which he was birthed and the people who birthed him, you know, and, and you know, like Adrian's pointing out, you know, his attitude was certainly one of defiance and self-reliance and, you know, going my own way and all of that. Right. But you could tell, like, in terms of the visuals, all they knew was, was looking pa- in the papers and the magazines and, you know, just, you know, what, you know, let's just take what seems to be, you know, readily available in the headlines. And that's pretty much it. And and they didn't put any real consideration into it. I mean, he was definitely a two dimensional, you know, kind of a stereotype in a way. For sure. For sure. First published in, in 1972, I believe, Adrian, you correct me if I'm not wrong. Is he the first black superhero to have his own, you know, his own comic? Yes. Like it's his comic. He wasn't featured in something else. That's right. Because I mean, mm-hmm. it even predated, you know, by several years, Black Panther getting his own. Like Black Panther right. didn't get his own comic until 1975 or 1976, rather, when Kirby came back and did like what that. About, what about Black Lightning, uh, Trevor's guy? Later. 
77, 78. So, okay. so Cage is like the first, the first black character to get his own right. book straight okay. up. And if you look at the cover, I mean, it is riddled with stereotypes. You know, you got him in his Power Man pose. Dice. Like Adrian pointed out. You know, he got dice in the background. Hose. Somebody shoot, somebody shoot. No, it doesn't say hoes. <laughs> you know, it's like, it says like bar and then it has girls. And then there's a guy shooting a gun. And then the dice in the background and the, they, and the cards. Yeah. And then down in the corner, you got like the, the, the corrections officers from the prison. <laughs> so... Of course you, you know, do. <laughs> it was all the way fucked up. And yeah, I like Dwight. When I first saw it, you know, I was probably was maybe 11, 12 years old when I first saw, you know, Power Man. And I was not attracted to it at all. And I, and I knew immediately, okay, this is some shit from those movies my parents used to watch. <laughs> they really? Really? Like, like, n- n- not at all. I mean, even. Not at well, all. Not okay. at all. All right. Well, let me ask you this. When did you turn that corner and Power Man became a character that was just like, hmm, okay, something there. I'll take a swing at that. Um, when he first teamed up with Iron Fist. I knew you were going to say that. I knew Because I was more a martial arts head than I was uh, um, any, anything else. I, I like characters with emphatic movements and motions I'm doing right now, gesticulating crazily. And, mm-hmm. and, I, and I, I like, I, like mar- I was a martial arts dude back then, man. So for me... That kind of made sense as two would team up and it'd be like it legitimized the need for him to be there and an action in between those two to make it a better story. Well, well, the other thing, too, was is you got to think like, OK, so <clears throat> Hero for Hire number one comes out in uh, 72. By the 17th issue, they had rebranded it as Luke Cage Power Man. Mm-hmm. And by the 50th issue, it was Power Man and Iron Fist. Mm. So. And part of the reason for that was is the black exploitation films after a while started losing popularity. You know, it started fizzling, but also martial arts movies. You know, your Enter the Dragons, your Fist of Furies, Chinese Connections. Mm-hmm. You know, all of that stuff started to fizzle in terms of mainstream popularity. So they said, well, let's put these two characters together. You know, and this is around the time of like the Sons of the Tiger and the White Tiger and. You know, the black and white Marvel magazines and mm-hmm. Deadly Hands of Kung Fu and Billy Jack and all of that shit. Mm-hmm. Billy Jack, and yeah. all of that stuff starts to wane. Go, go ahead and hate your neighbor. Go ahead and cheat a friend. <laughs> Do it anyway. <laughs> That's kind of the way around, yo. Go ahead. <laughs> and to be honest, it has been like, like, a, like a Reese's Cup. It's like peanut butter and chocolate together. It's like it has worked ever since. Kind of you know, literally. for the most part, y'all, you, you don't you don't agree? No, I do agree. I thought your your analogy was apropos because it is like chocolate and peanut butter, uh, white chocolate and chocolate. Uh, <laughs> wow! <laughs> wow. <laughs> but, but you but you we can't fight on it. I, I I totally agree. Like when it's funny how a lot of Burn heads, John Byrne fans will. Um, cite those as amongst some of their favorites, you know what I'm mm. saying? And really, that whole run thereafter, you know, it hit some speed bumps, but you do have some issues, a couple of small runs in the rest of that, you know, run there, even through, mm. like, the early 80s, where it's like, damn, this is pretty good. Um, one one um, 
honorable mention too would be like uh, their appearance in uh, Daredevil. Uh, Daredevil one seven. Oh yeah, that was one of my favorites. It was like a one it, a one a one and done, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And it was just good. They, they were good characters, you know, good foils playing off of uh, Daredevil. Mm. And I thought that that was a perfect showcase for them, you know. But back in their actual book, along with um, you know Power Man, um, for me, man. It's it's when Christopher Priest, you know, then known as Jim Owsley, takes over, you know, mm-hmm. in the late late like nineties um, um, issue one hundreds, you know, somewhere in that area, and he has like twenty or so issues. That's just like it's the story starts building and building. He gives characterization to um, Cage that's really good. Um, M D Bright draws the issues for the most part, mm. and. I just thought it was a good, good run, you know, by them. And it's so funny because it plays into um, Secret Wars 2. Mm-hmm. And the Beyonder, who is a, a, you know, Caucasian, you know, alien. David Hasselhoff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but here, here's the thing. Out of all those crossovers of Wet Night, Owsley takes the point of, hmm, what if in this book, I make the Beyonder want to learn more about, you know, black people. So what he does, he transforms himself into a black person. You know what I'm saying? Because mm. he has kind of like the Jerry curl and everything. And it's a showcase. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's No, no, no. Check it out. It is, it is well written for what it is. You know what I mean? Okay. And so he gets a chance. Cage takes him around New York or around Harlem, you know, and he interacts with, you know, 80s New York, 80s black New York, you know, and it's cool. You guys should check those out. You know what I'm saying? If you listeners are out there, you know, check those out. I mean, they they should be on the cheap because I got them real cheap, you know, at the secondhand bookstore. It's a good run. And I thought that it culminated very nicely, you know, in that issue right there as well, man. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And and I knew Priest had written the character toward the end Mm -hmm. uh, for sure. Now, when did he, because, you know, and we talked about a little bit about the stereotypes. I mean, you know, his origin, you know, Adrian was saying, you know, he's, he's got the chain belt. He's got his shirt open to his navel. Yeah. You know, you know, he's got, he doesn't have any taco meat on his chest, but, you know, he's got his <laughs> chest blazing. Yeah. You know, the whole sweet Christmas and, you know, Jive sucker turkey fool. And, <laughs> and, and even if you go back to his origin, you know. He was involved in like drugs and petty crime and he was in a gang. Mm-hmm. You know, he gets out of the gang. Uh, Willie Stryker ends up like uh, planting some heroin in his apartment. So he ends up going to prison. Willie Stryker. Of course he does. Willie Stryker. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Right. There's never been a brother in Harlem with the last name Stryker. Never. <laughs> right. Never. Especially not spelled with a Y. Yeah, exactly. You know. <laughs> If ever there was an Austrian last name and, and no brother in Harlem ever had it, it's that. But, uh, but you know, he's raised in Harlem and he goes to prison. And while he's in prison, he ends up, you know, volunteering for like an experimental drug, you know, treatment or whatever. Uh, Tuskegee. And then, and, and, and yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, you know, this, 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 uh, this CEO, this, this corrections officer who has it in for him breaks in. And like, you know, screws up the experiment, whatever. And that's how he ends up getting his powers. And then he breaks out of prison and, you know, like dives off the cliff or whatever. But go ahead. I was just going to say, God damn. So you got Tuskegee. You got Attica. 
you got. <laughs> like, no, and then the fact that he that... escapes, it's almost like the Count of Monte Cristo, yo. <laughs> you know, like he dives off a cliff into the water and shit. What <laughs> president's ever been built on a cliff? Godly. <laughs> yeah. Like Alcatraz or something. But I just thought that that, that, that was hilarious, you know. Um, yeah. Man. <laughs> but, his, but his origin is definitely, and that's the other thing, like he was raised in Harlem. Yeah. You know, back in the 70s and 80s, it was always New York. It was always Harlem or Brooklyn or Manhattan, mm-hmm. you know, or, or maybe Chicago, maybe Chicago. And even Cage, I think, spent some time in Chicago later on yeah. in one of the uh, one of the later runs. If he were created now, it'd be like, oh, he's from Atlanta. Mm-hmm. He's from New. He's from he's from New Orleans. You know, it'd be, it'd be that, you know. And, and, to, and to your point, Swiss, actually, in the, in the Netflix version, he was from Georgia. Really? Right. You're right. You're exactly right. Yeah. yeah. He, he, exactly he was from right, Georgia, D. and and he, and he did he did time in a in prison in Atlanta where he did experiments on him, and and, and then he then he came to he went to Harlem to escape all that. Damn. So he went back to his roots. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Over there by Grant Park. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> He's from the Southwest, yo. West End, Shawty. I was raised <laughs> over off Cascade Road. <laughs> Boulder Crest. <laughs> Bodecraft, Ben Hill. <laughs> ben Hill. <laughs> Camelton, Camelton Road, yo. Oh, Camelton man. Road, you know what I'm saying? Lakewood oh, Freeway, boy. 166. Y'all know what it is. <laughs> the swats, yo. <laughs> but, That's funny. But, you know, Adrian mentions Christopher Priest. Um, I know Ben just worked on him uh, for a while, like in The Pulse. And in uh, Alias, and I think that's how he ends up hooking up with Jessica Jones during that Bendis run. That's right. Um, Brian Azzarello and Richard Corbin did that miniseries, mm-hmm. you know, which was in the Max series. Dwight's giving it the thumbs down. I kind of <laughs> liked it, yo. I give it thumbs up. Okay, yo, up. thumbs yeah. up on it, yo. <laughs> uh, that was some stereotypic bullshit, bro. I've seen it myself. <laughs> good, good. I just love Richard Corbin so much, yo, mm. and, and 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 he just seemed tough. In that series, he seemed tough and streetwise and, and in command. Okay. Uh, you know, for a dude who's in prison. But um, <laughs> and then um, and then later on, you know, David Walker and Sanford Green. Yes, yes. Um, I think they had their own mini series, and then also Gindy Tartakowski did a strange, a strange four issue mini series. I think yeah. it slipped under the radar, but I got all four issues. And I was like, "Damn, where did this come out?" Yeah, mm-hmm. it was announced, and it took for, it, it took forever to come out, but then it did finally it did finally come out. Yeah, okay. yeah. And I also wanted to mention too, while you're talking about Bendis, um, during his run on New Avengers, he made Cage the leader of the Avengers once they had to go underground, right? You know, and you know, Lanil, you man, that he, was he drew one of the definitive Cages. You know, yeah, that was, that was yeah, it was good. It's very well done. I like that. Look. Lanil's his cage is my favorite modern cage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like his 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 version of cage is my favorite modern cage where he sheds the tiara and the bracelets and the chain belt and the yellow shirt and all that. And it's just t-shirt, tank top, jeans, and I'm gonna whoop that ass. You know what I'm right, saying? Right. That's 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 all it is. But I will say this, um I mm. do think that uh like one of the interesting things about Cage as a character is, is 
they really did attempt in, and, and Adrian, you may be able to tell me or tell us, um, they did attempt a, a kind of an image overhaul on him. You know, where it was like, okay, if this character is going to march forward into into modernity, we're going to have to shed some of this stuff, the sweet Christmas and, you know, and some of this other stuff and really make him a fully fleshed out character. And when, when did that happen? Okay, all right. Well, to backtrack just a bit, you're right. The first time they did try it was actually in 1992, okay? This was during the speculator boom, stuff selling millions of copies. So what Marvel decided to do was, hey, let's do a brand new Luke Cage number one, Mm -hmm. and we're going to change his costume. And not only that, we're going to give his book an acetate cover, a clear acetate (laughs) cover, like an animation cell, right? So they do that. That book does not sell. Not to acetate. Yeah, man. It was like <laughs> his figure looking all strong and stuff. And the overhaul that they made on his costume was now he has a fade, right? He got a fade, uh, black jacket, <laughs> red T-shirt. Oh, yeah. I, remember that. I do remember that. The, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And instead of <laughs> and instead of the chain around his waist and the metal tiara, they gave him like metal shins, like, like, like. Like he Snake Pliskin or some type of baseball catcher. I was like, come on. Yeah. What yeah. in that? Who designed that? I think the artist on that was. He had, he had a metal belt too, right? Yes. Yeah. And I think Dwayne Turner was the artist on that. Um, so I, okay. I don't know if he designed it or if it came from higher up, but that was abysmal. It was terrible. <laughs> mm, no, no go. No go. Um, and then after that, I'm not sure how long that version stuck, but the character was just kind of like out there, just mm. out there in limbo. Nothing was really being done with him. They never even tried to reteam him with Iron Fist, nothing like that. And it wasn't until after kind of like that period of like new Marvel where you do have Bendis come in and say, hey, you know what? I think I can do something with Cage, you know, and he gets that mm-hmm. complete modern re- overhaul. You know, it's kind of like... Uh, <laughs> Like DMX mixed with just uh, just a modern black black man, you know what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. thankfully, not not written like DMX, you know. Michael Coulter, <laughs> Michael Coulter. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think uh, I know you uh. lukewarm on that, but. <laughs> Nice, nice, nice. <laughs> but see, I, I liked him for me, man. He, he legitimized, he legitimized the character for me in, for, in Netflix to me, man. He did a good job to me. So that's my take well, on it. We'll we'll, we'll 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 talk about it toward the end because I definitely right. want to discuss some of that and uh and some other things. <laughs> right. But go ahead, Adrian. Finish your finish your points. Oh yeah, I was just going to say man. because I think I think because people aren't going to stand for that anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like that. Him in the yellow tiara, uh, him in the tiara and the yellow shirt and all that, that wasn't gonna fly anymore. Although, although in Secret Invasion, they do bring it back, but you find out that's a scroll version of Cage. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, so th- that explained why all the characters, these um, scrolls were imitating these old versions of these heroes, because that's what they knew when they were in hiding. You know what I'm saying? So okay, okay. You try to you try to get a little 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 plot device there, Ben. It's okay. Little, little, little Very story, good. Historically accurate. Very good. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> okay. 
But yeah, it 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 would have to be like you know the the one two punch of like that um, Corbin Azzarello series, uh, Max series, and then Bendis and you doing it in New Avengers, and that's where you okay. had that modern take of um, Cage. Dwight, were you aware when they were doing that new version of Cage, and did you and did that did that endear you to him endear you to him more when they kind of revamped him and made him a little smarter and a little less of a <laughs> less. To, more three dimensional, let's say. Give him some more brain cells. Give him, give him a, a Prevagen uh, introduction. Um, no, I mean, I, I think, um, yeah, somewhat. I mean, when I found that he was uh, leading the Avengers uh, for a while and was doing some things with Jessica Jones, that piqued my interest. Um, you know, I, I thought that uh, at least they tried to take him off the stereotypical, you know, streak and and give him some more, you know, volume. To, to mm-hmm. make his character grow beyond the, the 70s stereotypes. So, yeah. But would I buy a Power Man and Iron Fist Luke Cage comic still? Mm-mm. Not likely. Mm. Um, it's just, I mean, you, I mean, again, you know, I get, I get, I get crucified for this on, on, on Twitter, black Twitter, whatever, you know. But I can see that you're black. What else you got? Mm-hmm. You know, so, so get, give me give me more. I want, I, want, I want substance. You know, I want, I want uh, you know, you know, what I liked about, um, I didn't like about Black Panther, not going to go into the whole rabbit trail. I liked the fact that Black Panther initially, you know, except for the fact that, you know, initially they covered his entire face. But when he, when he was first, when he was first done, he, he had a mask that was around his face. You could see he was a black man. Mm-hmm. But I like the idea that, you know, potentially, you know, you don't know who he, who he is. He's a man of mystery. Like he's a guy acting out in a black suit. You don't know if he's black or white. It didn't, didn't matter at that point. So, you know, not to be Pollyannish about the situation, but for me, it was never about black recognition of characters to me when I was when I was reading characters as a kid. I was more like, can I relate to these characters? And I, I liked the Falcon because the Falcon's costume was badass to me. It was drawn back then with the wings on the feet and those dope-ass boots. You know what I'm saying? And, and that, that, mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, the, yeah, uh, the, the, v, the, 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 the v, v collar, V-neck, you know, showing his belly Again. button. Taco yeah. meat on display, yo. <laughs> right? I, I, was, I wasn't down for that, but, but, but the red and white, it worked for me, and the wings and stuff did it worked for me, and it was drawn dynamically. It's very well done. So, um, Sam Wilson never gave me that stereotype that I was getting from the obviously stereotypical Luke Cage. So I, right. I didn't, I didn't respond well to the stereotype. You know, even though later on down the line I became a rap music fan, that's what uh, you know, arguably that's what uh, um, uh, uh, Ak and and the Zoo Nation looked like. Those dudes looked like a, a Luke Cage. You know. Black stereotypical right. with futuristic sunglasses on, you know, you know, so looking I, like looking like something from the Matrix, but but, but in 1982, <laughs> right, right, right. So to answer your question is yes, that 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 did uh that did give me a little more a little more interest in in regards to the people he was keeping company with to see what he was yeah. doing inside that company. Yeah, mm. you know, the, um, one of the things in like kind of going back and thinking about this, one of the things about Cage that I I caught early on was is, is there was kind of a comparison to uh, that I made in my head to John Stewart, hmm, you know, okay. the uh, Green Lantern. Yeah. Um, when John Stewart, the Green Lantern was originally introduced in uh, Green Lantern, Green Arrow. Mm-hmm. And he gets the ring and he's hanging out with Hal Jordan and he's kind of untrusting towards Hal Jordan and Hal Jordan says, hey, yeah, you get a suit and the ring and it's, you know, it's based on your will. And he kind of gives him kind of the run through. And he says, oh, yeah. And, you know, and, and the part of the suit is the mask. 
And then John Stewart throws the mask off and burns it. Yeah. And he says, what are you doing? He says, no, nah, man. He says, I'm a black man living in America, whatever. I'm going to let it all hang out. Right. It is what it is. That's basically what he says. Mm. And Cage had, in his original incarnation, despite all of the problematic things and all the uh, the stereotypes and the stuff that, you know, that we struggled with, you know, he was kind of rebellious and pushed back against kind of conventional ideas of nobility and heroism. Mm. You know, he was a hustler. And ultimately, he's like, I have this ability. I want to help people, but I want to help people in my neighborhood where I live. And I want to make a living doing it because I'm a hustler. Mm -hmm. And so, he, you know, I like the fact that he was more interested in, in fighting for home. Uh, and, and by home, I mean, you know, New York City in the same way that Spider-Man was. You know, Spider-Man would face cosmic villains. But most of Spider-Man's fights were basically him defending New York and in some cases specifically defending Queens. Mm -hmm. You know, and I kind of <laughs> like that about him. And so Cage and Stewart kind of having their own code and kind of pushing against, you know, maybe what they might have would have seen as being like white supremacy and idea and, and, and white ideas of what they should be versus what they saw themselves being was almost kind of reflective of kind of like a Muhammad Ali, where it's like, okay, I'm going to be the me that I want to be. I'm not going to be the me that you want me to be. Mm -hmm. And I kind of liked, I kind of liked that. That was kind of the only shred of, you know, of, uh, of, of connective tissue between me and him in that mm -hmm. regard that I was like, okay, I kind of, I get that. I feel that. Mm -hmm. But uh, Adrian, what you mentioned earlier, man, about the, uh, uh, you know, him being in a prison and, and we talked about him, you know, he got experimented on, you know, he volunteered for it. And that's mm -hmm. kind of how he got his part, his powers. Did you guys ever think, you know, thinking back on his origin, you know, the, the, uh, the vaccine hesitancy that we see today in the black community <laughs> to some extent is based on, you know, our country's dark history with, you know, medically abusing black people and, uh, especially black women and experimenting on them. Mm -hmm. And Cage's, his origin is kind of a version of that in a way. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But they, they would, but they would argue like, you know, well, wasn't Captain America experimented on? He volunteered for that too. You know what I'm saying? But right. They, but but they, we don't have a history. We don't have a history of that with free white men being experimented upon. We have a history of prisoners, oh, yeah, slaves, sure. and, you know, people in minority groups, Jews during, you know, during World War II, you know, it's like, you know, experimenting on them to, you know, we have a history of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely my, my take on it as well. I, I, I always felt um, that it was definitely, a, you know, uh, analogous to, you know, Tuskegee Institute and many other things that, going on and, and that was another thing i didn't care about I, I don't i don't like the escape prisoner angle for for black people and black men it just it, it, it's yeah thing, man you know yeah that shit, that shit gets on my nerves man you know uh <laughs> so you know i didn't i didn't need to see that you know you know in a, in a comic that i'm trying to read for enjoyment purposes you know what i mean so yeah. <laughs> what one of, one of my one of my big one of the things that I really have a hang up about is I don't really like movies about people being falsely imprisoned. I mean, as good as Shawshank Redemption is and as good as much as I enjoyed the movie Life with Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence. See, I didn't enjoy that shit. <laughs> but but movies where people are falsely imprisoned and their freedoms are taken away 
or people are kidnapped and held, you know, in basements or in cellars and whatnot. It's just, but it, that's the it Count really, Monte Cristo. That's the Count of Monte no, Cristo. No, no, no. And that, that, that even, <laughs> even that, even going back to that, I remember reading that book uh, in high school and I was just like, oh, you know, just yeah. the idea of somebody being falsely imprisoned is just like, it's horrible to me. Yeah. Because prison is a horrible place. It's a yeah. horrible place. No matter how good or how, how well intended and, you know, re- we're going to reform these people and we're going to, you know, whatever. It's just a horrible, horrible place. Especially back during, the, during that time, you know, in Calamity, Cristo. Those dudes were like fighting against disease and rats and, and their own feces and, you know, everything that the mm-hmm. the prisons went through in the Middle Passage. They were, they were, they were on a regular basis swimming in that shit so it's like you know yeah, yeah. this is getting dark real this is getting dark let's just go let's turn it up a little bit let's, i guess let's it go. is yeah <laughs> but, but going back to uh cage's early days um and when i was kind of pitching this idea to talk about you know the 50th anniversary or the 50th birthday of luke cage to you guys mm-hmm. you know i mentioned that you know and i mentioned earlier in the show too that you know all the early writers of these comics were white guys Mm-hmm. So they're attempting to to speak, you know, with a quote black voice, mm-hmm. but you know they don't have any of the experiences, they don't have the history, they don't have the legacy of you know all the things associated with being an African American or a black person in America. Mm-hmm. And so, in some cases, there's some serious misses, in some cases, there are some hits. But it's very similar to uh, a lot of the early black TV shows from the '70s and '80s. So, you know, you had shows like The Jeffersons. Sanford and Son. Sanford and Son. Uh, Good Times. Mm-hmm. You know, where had you know, where the staff might be all white writers white writing those shows. And and maybe part of the reasons why they connected with us watching them, because I love me some good times in Sanford and Son. Mm-hmm. Jefferson's not so much, but I love me some Sanford and Son and Good Times. You big dummy. Mm-hmm. But Part of it is, is these are coming through the voices of black actors who are saying the, the lines and probably having some kind of editorial uh, input in terms of, hey, we wouldn't say it that way. We would say it this way. Mm-hmm. And so it works. So a character like Michael or Thelma, you know, and James and Florida and Walona and Bookman and, uh, you know, all of that, you know, Balderman Davis, you know, all of those characters, you know, seem real. But um there's a story I heard, and I told you, I think I told Adrian this story, but I'll sell it here. Um, on Red Fox, when he was working on Sanford and Son, you know, the show became immensely popular. Yeah. Yeah. And Fox, you know, he basically became, you know, a millionaire. He was, he was a very popular uh, vaudeville and, and stand-up comedian. And, you know, there'd be the records that, you know, you'd sneak out that your parents would have, Red Fox's albums and whatnot. Right. You know, along with like Rudy, Rudy Ray Moore and, you know, and all of these <sighs> mm-hmm. people. You know, Petey Wheatstraw, but um, <laughs> but Red Fox's, you know, Sanford and Son was immensely popular. So it got to a point where Red Fox said, hey, look, I'm tired of all these white writers on, on this show. You know, I wonder if you'd bring in some black writers to work on this show. This is not right. So they brought in a bunch of black writers to write some episodes of Sanford and Son. And when they uh, got the scripts and did the table read, and and uh, and he, uh, that was the other thing. He kept saying, "Oh, these white Jewish writers." Mm-hmm. That's what it was. He would say, "These white Jewish writers are working on my show." Mm-hmm. But when he got the scripts back from the black writers, and it wasn't funny, 
They said Red Fox was like, bring me back my Jews. <laughs> <laughs> bring me back my Jews. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, another thing, that's that's a great point that you um, bring up, Swizz, in that with um, with Cage, with having those um, early stories being scribed by you know white writers, uh, just as with those uh, television shows, it made it made the black characters accessible for the mainstream. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You could almost say, even even almost in its way, safe, if you will. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. because to go even beyond that, you know, and not pull back by the end of the episode, because you know it's like with with good times, you know, they would go through some hard hard scrabble issues, right? But by the end of the show, it kind of comes back on itself and plays it safe. It's either resolved or it's like, we all we got. That type of thing, right? Right? <laughs> and, and, and it doesn't push That's real shit, it. though. That's real shit. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And, you know, the same thing with, with Cage. You know, he's written in the manner of, okay, what if Shaft had superpowers? You know what I'm saying? Or Shaft was in... in was given, you know, these powers somehow, you know? Mm-hmm. And at the time, Shaft was very popular. Shaft was pretty much mainstream, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, Richard Roundtree, bro. Richard Roundtree. Yes. And this is 71, you know, a year mm-hmm. before um, Luke Cage comes out. But I think with those early stories, they did want to play it safe with Cage, you know what I'm saying? Give him just enough of, like, okay, we acknowledge that the character is black, here are some tropes, maybe even stereotypes that acknowledge that this character is black, but we'll give them just enough and then still play it safe. And it wasn't until you had a black writer like uh, Jim Owsley, you know, me, uh, Christopher Priest, you know, come in and start writing that you do get stories to kind of push back little by little and push the boundaries of characterizing, you know, Cage more and more and more. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I agree, man. And um, I think that uh, I think you're right, man. And I, I think to, to a great extent. And this is really a criticism I have of, of all of the thing, all of the uh, the Marvel characters that have been adapted into modern day is some of this stuff is just too of its time. Mm. You know, the names and uh, the characterizations, the jobs that people have. I mean, I was watching. um I was watching the uh, the new version of Nightmare Alley with uh, with Kate Blanchett and Bradley Cooper, yeah, and uh, and Tony Collette and uh, David Strathairn, I think his his name's pronounced. And you know, it's set. It's basically a movie about a bunch of carnies, right? Mm. There's so many things about the early versions of superheroes in the Golden Age, and even going into the '60s and '70s, that are just like of a time where it's like, okay, like when you think about it. Why is Robin's origin in the year 2022? You were in the circus, motherfucker. Right. Hey. Hey, what? Barter Bailey. Hey, Barter <laughs> Bailey, dog. <laughs> but, but it's just a ridiculous idea. But I mean, a character that was birthed at a time where the going to the circus was high entertainment, like going to the theater or going to a play, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Listening to the radio, you listening to the radio, you going to the theater, you going to a play, you going to a sporting event. That's it. That's all the entertainment they had. Mm-hmm. And so, so, so many of those characters came from like oh, circus strongmen, and 
you know, the freaks in the circus show, you know, it's like, oh, she can conduct electricity. She was she was born at a time during an electrical storm and now she can conduct electricity. It's like all of that stuff just comes from these really weird beginnings. And so even a guy like Cage, even the names, like I said, Reed Richards, Reed and Sue, you know, there's nobody named Reed under the age of 80. Right. <laughs> May? There's no May. You know, uh, so it's just like, you know, these things are so of their times. And so you really do have to work hard to kind of bring them up to modern era or, or do like a, a, a like like a, a real makeover on them in order for them to work. You know, mm-hmm. even like in the uh, in the old comics, the old Luke Cage comics, you know, they would call them like Buck and Black Buck. You know, and that's like a stand in for the N word, basically. Listen here, you buck, you better do what I tell you to do. It was the N word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was just the N word. That's all it was. Yeah. You know, but um, Dwight chooses to remain silent at this point in juncture. <laughs> Understood, sir. Understood. But one last, one last funny observation, and then I want to talk about the TV show and the MCU proper uh, with you guys. And I know Dwight will have a lot to say about the uh, the television show, the Netflix show with uh, Mike Coulter. But one of the things I thought that made Power Man and Iron Fist work so well is the tried and true formula of putting black people and martial arts together. Mm, it works. That shit just works, sir. The you know the popularity of the films, whatever, but teaming them up. I mean, you look at uh, Black Belt Jones, Enter the yeah. Dragon, and and all the kind of kind of faux martial arts from the black exploitation films, where you'd be like, okay, you never did karate or kung fu a day in your life, but you go ahead. But you know, then you have things like you know, like the Last Dragon in the eighties. Um, you have the Rush Hour movies in the nineties. I'm just saying. I'm not saying they're good. I'm just saying people <laughs> like them. Yeah. Black people in martial arts works together. It works. Yeah. yeah. Wu Tang Clan. Mm-hmm. No said. That's yeah. it. I mean, that's <laughs> that's it. That's what it is. I mean, that's so. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I agree. Um, a thousand percent. It just works uh, for some reason. You know, and it's always. It's definitely not towards the the, the, the the more elevated reasons behind why you watch characters develop, but you know, sometimes you just want to see good old fashioned ass kicking and, and, and those yeah. movies give that give give <laughs> you that. True. You know? Um so yeah, uh, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Well, Adrian, we know you didn't watch the Netflix show and it, and and it's for anybody who's listening who doesn't know, like none of those Marvel shows are available on Netflix anymore. Jessica Jones, yeah. Iron Fist, Daredevil, Punisher, yeah. they're all gone. Yeah. They're going to going to Disney Plus, yeah. 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 But I I do have something to say in regards to that, and I just wanted okay. to ask a question at the same time. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Jessica Jones was adapted from the uh, Alias comic, right? That Bendis wrote, right? Right. Yes. Okay. I remember very distinctly at the time um, the first issue of Alias comes out, and it makes a Big, big, big splash for like two months because of what happens in that first issue. Uh, actually, within like the first few pages of that issue. I don't know if you guys remember this controversy. I do. The controversy was... I do. Uh, yes. That, <laughs> for those that don't know, controversy stemmed from Jessica Jones, this, this new character being introduced, and she's in Coitus. 
anal. I mean, qu- qu- quit being fancy with it. They ha- she and Luke Cage have sex. They have a tryst. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yes, but it's not just the fact that they have sex. It's <laughs> how they're having sex. Right. It's anal sex, and right? It's not, it's not the normal. It's the yes, exactly. <laughs> and people up in arms. Like you could, you could feel the, the breath of fandom just throw their arms up collectively. Oh, shit. What is this? Oh, it's the end of life as we know it. <laughs> hey, man, look. It was one in the pink and one in the stink, sir. Wow. Yeah, okay, well, he took the one in the stink, yes. And, 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 and her whole thing was, she, she was almost like, it was just, I was like, okay, y'all just, because this was a Max title, y'all just did it like that, and she's up there. It's the Max, yeah. <laughs> Dang, but yeah, like as depicted in the comic, you know, she's like, she wants the pleasure, but also the pain, you know what I'm saying? As if she's in like some type of penance about her past or whatnot. And I just wanted Mm -hmm. to ask, the question I wanted to ask was, was that replicated or represented in the Jessica Jones TV series? Uh, Yeah. But not to that degree. Oh no! <laughs> but not, not, not to that degree. There was, there was they, they didn't okay. indicate. No, they indicated it was one in the in the Poodle, one in the tutor. They didn't. They did. They didn't indicate there was. You know what it was. You know what it was going on. There was sex being had by the two characters. Okay. They had a lot of it, and they even broke the bed at one point, like and laughed about. Yeah, they it. broke the. Yeah, they broke the bed. But it, but, but it, <laughs> yeah, damn. But but it wasn't it wasn't quite as graphic as as where where things went, and I, I'm grateful for that. That's fine by me. But, yeah, you know, yeah. but, you know, it, it did play into some stereotypes and some ideals that, you know, you know, the big black buck and, you know, the little white girl and stuff like that, which was which mm-hmm. was pretty much what was going on in the situation. But when you look at Ritter, Ritter's character, play, who played Jessica Jones, I mean, she didn't, she was no prize. I mean, she was okay, but she was rather skanky looking herself. So it's like one of those things where, okay, yeah, maybe. Oh, I like, I like her. You don't like her, though? I liked her a lot. You know, I thought I had a serious crush on that her. Nose, that, that nose, yo, just, it just doesn't to me, dude. It's like, it's like, it's like, a, like, it's I like. I was the, a fan of the nose, yo. I, I, was, I was, in my mind, I was doing things with that nose. But go she, ahead. She's like, she's like, a, ugh. <laughs> she's like, she's like a female version of Owen, Will, uh, Owen, Owen Williams, yo. Owen, Owen, Owen Wilson, you know, the. the, the Dang, it the, was that bad, yo? That nose. They have their own. They have their own area codes. Is all I'm saying. But anyway, um, but no, <laughs> but no. I mean, she. I mean, she played the role very well, and I felt like you felt her angst. You know, you felt like she's the kind of type of person that would do this sort of thing because she was. She lost like a lot of people in her life early on. You know, so I, I get yeah. that. And for it to be a private, it's kind of funny. A private dick for a chick. Was interesting in, inside the mm-hmm. series, and it worked for me for a while. But you know, in terms of the, the length and breadth of of, of 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 Jessica Jones and 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 and, um, and Luke Cage's pairing, it paled in comparison to what happened between Luke and, and Misty, Misty Knight, which was really really nice uh, by comparison to me. But it didn't look like um, you know, because Luke because Misty Knight wasn't wasn't gonna, ever going to get her, her own series along with uh, um. Uh, Colleen Wing. Colleen Wing. Colleen Wing. Yeah. They, 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 yeah, yeah. Which they, they cheapened that for me. They softened that for me. Because that would have been a much better series to me than than Power Man Iron Fist. Because it quite was, frankly, it was more. It was way more interesting. Yeah, way more interesting. Yeah. As it relates to the Netflix show. Yeah, but I'll just say this. I, I to answer your question, Adrian. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. And yes, they did. And it was, 
it was something that was good, but it was almost like kind of like lampoonish to some degree. It wasn't full of, of, of the same kind of reader's angst that you might have gotten from the comic book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I enjoyed the Luke Cage series for the most part, uh, mm-hmm. you know, but I didn't, I, I just didn't think that Mike Holter was the, was the correct casting choice. He was a little too erudite and not quite athletic enough for me. Okay. The fight scenes were just not interesting. He just, he seemed kind of prancy. He's just, yeah. I, you know, it just wasn't like Luke Cage is supposed to be a brawler. He's supposed to be yeah. a tough streetwise dude. And my culture just never gave me any of that energy right. at all. Yeah. Okay. I, I can see that. But, yeah. but I, I liked what uh-huh. they did with the casting of everyone else. Um, with Alfred Woodard as black Mariah or as Mariah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mahershala Ali was great. Yeah. As the, uh, cool. as the, uh, care, was it, was it rattlesnake or the copperhead or copper, uh, copperhead? What? What was the character with the snake reference in, in Luke Cage? Adrian? Adrian? Hmm. It, it, may, it may have been Copperhead. If I'm it not wasn't mistaken. Copperhead. It, it was something you else. I'll, I'll, I don't I'll think it was you. Copperhead. I'll but um, And then uh, 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 Mustafa Shakir as uh, uh, John McIver, a.k.a. Bushmaster. Bushmaster, yeah. And Rosario Dawson as the, uh, as the night nurse. Which she, you know, she played the night nurse in Daredevil and Claire Temple. And in... Uh, in Luke Cage, she's a connected tissue between those. <clears throat> now, did she have the, the 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 cape on with the red on the inside, and you know, like nice... no, no, he can think of hey. that part, man. <laughs> she was a literal nurse, just a nurse. Okay, that was yeah. funny. But, but the show ran from 2016 to 2018. I enjoyed it for the most part, even though I didn't think uh, Coulter was the best choice. Uh, the wrestler or the UFC fighter Rampage, he had the look. Mm. He had the look, but I mean, you know, he's, he's no actor, which we found mm. out from that eighteen movie. He's, he couldn't act his way out of a wet paper bag, you know. Right. But and, and and Rampage wore the chain, you know, around his neck. You know what I'm saying? Like that was his big deal. I'm Rampage. I got that chain. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, <laughs> right exactly. <laughs> exactly. Lyrics. <laughs> yeah. But um, but I wanted to end by asking you guys, do you guys think that at some point, because they are starting to move into other characters, you know, we've got uh, Ms. Marvel on the way, we've got Hawkeye, and we got Kate Bishop out now. So, And I've heard that there's, you know, there's maybe talk of like Nova mm. and perhaps even Namor showing up in Black Panther too. So I wonder if you guys think that Luke Cage is going to show up in the MCU proper, probably recast with another actor. But if he'll show up in the uh, in the in the MCU proper at some point, oh yeah, I do Absolutely. for sure. Yeah, for sure. I think um, you know, I even think uh, you know, given the most recent uh, trailer from uh, Doctor Strange, I think um, that we're probably going to get a Reed Richards um, for Fantastic Four showing up in the, in the, this this in Illuminati because he's part of Illuminati, as well as because it's already been hinted that Patrick Patrick Stewart. Is Professor X's voice in the in the in the in the tele, in the, uh, in the trailer, right? So there's there's three other people that should be in there. It should be Black Panther should be in there, which um, could could very well be done by Chadwick Boseman. Now, I'll tell you how. Um, the most recent episode of uh, or two most recent, last two episodes of, of uh, Boba Fett, they did an excellent job of of, of redigitizing and and doing a. Uh, a digital double for uh, for Mark Hamill in the younger years as in, as Luke Skywalker, and it was spot on. Very very little, very very little um, um, uncanny valley. But anyway, 
I digress. So they could bring Chadwick uh-huh. back for back for a brief speaking speaking role if they wanted to. You know, as far as that goes, and and then uh, the way I see uh, uh, them bringing um, all of the defenders from the Netflix universe into Marvel proper. Is... No, 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 no. I don't want those actors. I want I want new actors. <laughs> I, want, I don't want them motherfuckers. Well, see, I I, I, I I dig all of them except for except for you know the guy who played uh, Iron Fist. He was he was got awful. Um, but yeah, you know, I think that, uh, yeah, the eventually they'll show up whether it's, whether it's the mm. actors, I mean, it might even be like, a, a, might, they might do a reorganization. It might, they might put a Nighthawk in there versus, you know, some of the other, other heroes in, and that'd be interesting to me too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree to the end. Like it's wide open. It seems like marvelous. Like, man, we've made all of our decades, you know, off of, you know, those Avengers movies in that previous wave. Now we have the luxury of really digging into the vaults, digging into mm-hmm. the coffers of Marvel's characters and just bringing up whatever we want. You know, some of them aren't aren't quite successful, but they brought them up. You know what I'm saying? So now they're out there in that cinematic universe. So, yeah. So, I mean, Cage would definitely you know, be one that I would see them trying to get a, uh, a crossover appeal, you know, with and bring him up, you know. Maybe, you know, not only have, you know, the Netflix shows. I think that's where those Marvel Netflix um, shows went to. They, they're going on Disney Plus. I don't know if all of them are going on Disney Plus, giving some of the content. Mm-hmm. Well, you it, know, it could, it could be Disney Plus Plus. <laughs> Disney, <laughs> <new> division. <laughs> I think you need to turn those pluses on their, <laughs> on their axis just a little bit. <laughs> Disney XX. <laughs> XXX. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, not, not Disney, not Disney Plus, but Disney Times. <laughs> they, they, that's best stuff. That's like you know how BT, how BT uncut that Disney uncut. Yeah, yo, uncut, yo. <laughs> Waking yeah. up at three o'clock in the morning watching Disney uncut. But man, man doing the Mini Mouse show. <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll say this, man. For for two reasons, they they need to bring it into Marvel, the Marvel universe, the the, the, the Netflix universe into Marvel proper. Two characters that that, that that warrant that for me, and that's Daredevil. And the Punisher, those two need to be there because those two were outstanding in terms of in terms of story. Oh sure, but you know what my problem with Charlie Cox is? What's that? What's that? He's losing his hair, yo. Really? He has a receding hairline, and it's like it's not looking good, yo. Amen. Yeah, but see, that's that that's that that's that new storyline they tell y'all about called Bald Again. <laughs> <laughs> That concludes this episode of Sidebar Forever, hosted by Dwight Clark, Swain Hunt, and Adrian Johnson. You can find us online at sidebarforever.com. Any emails or questions can be directed to us at sidebarforever at gmail.com. And also, subscribe to us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram.